We've now reached the end of the Ephesians series, part 26. And today we're going to look at the last four verses, but more particularly give an overview of what Ephesians is about as we draw to a conclusion today. And one thing uh, to note is that I've made a website to collect all of our Ephesians sermons and notes together. And it's easy to remember, Ephesians.ca. And so if you go to Ephesians.ca, you will see this. And no, he didn't have that. He, he, Paul hadn't booked that URL. So, um, so all of, all of the uh, passages are down the side. You can click on them and it takes you into there. The video's there, the audio's there, and all the notes and slides and everything. So that's Ephesians.ca, which uh, you, um, you uh, should be able to remember fairly easily. So today, I'm going to ask, uh, we're going to be looking then at a summary of the Ephesians together with the last verses. Quick question, uh, how many people here have made New Year's resolutions? Okay, not very many. Okay, Uh, apparently less than 10% of New New Year's resolutions are kept. Uh, Why do you think that is? Well, we're going to talk today about something which I think is more likely to produce change in you than making a new New Year's resolution. My summary is the big picture message of Ephesians that is life-changing if you truly grasp it. So I'm going to ask ask, um, uh, somebody to come out right now, and I want you to imagine that that, uh, there's a world, everybody in the world, is a, is a bag person. That means that they have um, they have a bag over their head, and they're born with a bag over their head, and they've always had a bag over their head. And these are the bag people. And one day, this bag person here um, accidentally the bag comes off, and suddenly they see the world. And wow, this is amazing. Uh, this is this is extraordinary. And all of these things they'd never like trees. They thought were horribly, horrible, knobbly things, and now they see they're quite beautiful. You can go and sit down now. Um, uh, previously, they would very walk very very carefully. Now they could run, but there's a temptation all the time to live like the, as if they had a bag over their head and live like the old way because that was comfortable. That's the way they always used to live. Today, I want to take the bags off your heads. So, how are we going to do that? This is what Paul does. It's not me, it's Paul who's going to do this. Uh, So, in Ephesians 5, 13 and 14, he says, when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O bag-headed person. That's my own translation here. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And uh, this is the um, this is the uh, s- message behind today, which is about living in the new creation and the old at the same time. This is my my uh, um, title today, and I want to talk about the big story to start with, the big story of history right the way through, and then talk about what is already here, and then end up with the new creation in Ephesians. So, first of all, I want to talk about the big story of time. And God's ways 
are that God never patches up the old. God always works by doing something new and then inviting the old to come in. This is how God works. So, for example, I'm trying to gradually renovate my house. And, you know, if you, if you visit us, you'll see there's still some work to be done and uh, quite a lot of work to be done. Uh, if it was God doing it, he wouldn't do it that way. He would just demolish it and build a completely new house. That, and then invite, invite us to come into it and live in it, because that's how God works. And so what happened is he, he created the world, this beautiful world, and it got corrupted by sin. And when it became obvious that the corruption was so embedded that this wasn't going to be, be able to be recovered, what did he do? He, he started again. He wiped away the people, all the people of the earth, except for one family, started again with just that family. Uh, everybody was invited, but only, only eight went into this new creation. Uh, and uh, then um, this, this kind of pattern happened numerous times. Um, it happened later on with the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel became, God worked with them, he sent prophets for, for generations upon generations, and he worked with them, and then eventually, you know, the whole nation seemed to be corrupt. So what did he do? Uh, he took the whole nation into captivity. He took them all away, and he then he invited all who wanted to to go back again. And it was a very easy invitation. It would be, they would be looked after. They could go back, and he would start anew with a new nation. All who had a heart to return started a new nation back in Palestine and they made a new temple and at least to start with, things were going very well. Oh, but only 42,000 people accepted that invitation. And so oh, this is how things uh, work in God's plan, in the big story as you go through. Uh, well, this brings us to the new creation. <clears throat> God ultimately will not patch up this creation. He started something new in Jesus, and he is inviting us into it to join Jesus. And there's lots of symbolism in Scripture um, about this. So the, the old creation was symbolized with um, six days God created, and the seventh day was a day of rest. Um, and then <clears throat> the next day on from the day of rest... The, the, uh, the beginning of the next week was, the de was like symbolized the new creation. And there were some things in the Jewish um, law, they may not have realized what it was, but they began on the eighth day, that's the new week. What day did Jesus rise from the dead? It was, it was the first day of the week, the first day of the next week. It was like, okay, there's another week starting. And it's interesting that uh, the rest um, that God was to enter into was the pleasure is creation, not because he's tired, but when the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing things on the Sabbath, Jesus said, my father is working until now and I am working. In other words, something there's new, new creation working that's happening. There's something new is going to be happening. Not resting the old any longer, but working on the new. So God is working then in the new. This is the big picture, uh, the big story of what's happening. <clears throat> now I want to talk about 
uh, a very interesting and extremely important concept uh, I'm calling already here. Now, until the last century, this may surprise you to know, until, until um, the last few decades, in fact, if you're writing a book, a serious book, you wouldn't put charts or diagrams into it. That was totally unheard of 100 years ago. Because it would, you know, who do you think you are that you can't explain it with words? It was seen as a very, you know, the fact that you can't use words is a, and you have to put a chart in would be a very negative thing for you. So, uh, okay, they did have, in ancient times, they had, they had maps, they had charts, they had things, but not as part of a book, not as part of literature. Well, uh, almost 100 years ago, uh, the mold was broken by a, a remarkable Christian book uh, in 1930, published by Princeton University, which in those days was a, a, a believed the Bible, and it was a, a, a fact it was a Bible school, and is included a diagram in it, which was which has been incredibly helpful to many people ever since. And I've actually managed to get a copy of the original diagram that was in that original edition, which I'm going to show you right now. Um, so here it is, and I'm just going to make this bigger so we can see it better. Um, there we go. So, so I'm going to explain what this is. Right across the top, he says the original scheme. Now you'll see it starts off on the left, this age or world, and then there's a line, and then the age or world to come. Now, this was how in the Old Testament prophets foresaw in their limited knowledge things were going to happen. We had this age, and then God was going to bring in the age to come, and then everything was going to be new. And there would be a time when this age would end and the age to come would be beginning. And that's what the Jews in Christ's time thought. They all thought that uh, because God hadn't revealed anything more. But what was absolutely revolutionary and radical and is so important for us is the new age began before the old age finished. The new creation has begun already. The old creation is still here. We're in a period of overlap. And this is the second, he says, the modified scheme. The world to come is here. It's in heaven. And when did it start? It started with the resurrection of Christ. And he's described as in Colossians as the firstborn from the dead. He's like the new Adam beginning the new creation as he's raised from the dead with a new kind of body, a new humanity. And uh, so uh, when Jesus returns and we have the judgment, then this old creation will finish and there will just be the age to come. But right now, we are in a period of the overlap of the two ages. This is so important. This is so, this is, this is one of the most important things you can learn as a Christian because it explains why we have problems. You know, if we were just living in the age to come, there wouldn't be any problems. Um, if we were just living in this age, you know, there wouldn't be salvation. Uh, but we have a foot in two ages. And we have physical bodies belonging to this present age, and we have a new creation within us that belongs to the age to come. These are where our problems come from. And so uh, this then is, is a, the, the source then of our difficulty. And uh, the really important thing then is that we need to wake up to this reality. Take the bag off our head 
Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days, in other words, the, the old creation, is filled with evil. You've got to realize, you've got to wake up, take the bag off, and see the fact that there are these two realities. Um, and then, as Paul begins to tell the story, and you can see this in all his writings, he's telling the story how this, this age is broken, um, and we can see it around us, can't we? We can see the brokenness. Not just like people are broken, society is broken, the environment is broken. There's, there's so many things that are broken about our system that we're in. And God's not going to patch them up. God is starting something new and something which ha doesn't have these problems. Um, so <clears throat> when Jesus was raised from the dead, the new body he, he was um, raised with, what was it made of? It wasn't made of molecules. In Corinthians, it says the first Adam was made of dust. He was, in other words, he was made of physical matter. The new Adam, Jesus Christ, is made of spirit. In other words, his, whatever he's made of is Holy Spirit. It's actually what he's made of. And the same with us. We are born of the Holy Spirit. Our new creation, our new material of the new person we are is not atoms and molecules. It's this new entity. Um, so Jesus was the first and we get into the new creation by being joined to Jesus. And we'll see in a minute some places in Ephesians where it describes this. Uh, what I'm going to do uh, I'm going to, the last part of this sermon today is I'm going to go right the way through Ephesians, um, which is what you've got in your handout, picking out all the places where Paul is referring to the new creation, making uh, direct references or, or allusions to it. And we're going to see how this all fits together. Therefore, be filled with the Spirit. So therefore, if we want to live as part of the new creation, the new creation is in the Spirit. So be filled with the Spirit. But let's come back to the question then. Um, how do we live in the old creation and be new creation at the same time? In the, uh, the time of the church fathers, the early age of the church, um, a group of them called the Stylites decided that they didn't want to live in this physical age. They wanted to live in the age to come only. And so they built these towers and they lived at the top of the towers as far away from the physical earth as they could, and people, they would have to winch up food to them. People would supply them with food which they would winch up, and stuff would go the other way as well. And um, this is how they would live. Is this how God intended us to get away from the old creation? No, this is not what we're intended to do. Uh, Jesus told us to be in the world, but not of it. We are to be living as authentic parts of this creation, physically, but demonstrating the life of the new. And so I thought that um, what I would what I'd like you to, to do today as a focus is to really let God speak to us about the new creation through Ephesians. And so this is why you have your handout now, because I would like to develop quite a bit of time here looking at what's already here and the new creation in Ephesians. So turn to your handouts and we're going to go through 
the, the, the places I've selected, and there may be more than what I've chosen, but um, I, what I wanted to do was to print it out for you because I would like you to carry this round with you and from time to time read it as a way of taking the bag off your head. So reading this is about who you are and if you can, can recognize who, what, what you're, how you're living, it will enable you to, to walk in the way that uh, acknowledges the new, new place that we have in the new creation. So chapter one, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then we jump to verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to bring together under one head all things in Christ, the things in heaven uh, and the things on earth in him. In other words, you know, the, the, the old will be gone. Every, everything will be in Christ. And the prayer in verse 18 that he prays, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the holy ones, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of the might of his strength, which he worked in Christ. And now I put these in a series of steps because he's going up here. Worked in Christ, raising him from the dead, seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion and every position that exists, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And so you'll notice that uh, this, if you read, look at how the whole passage there fits together, that this is his power towards us who believe. Um, the strength that he worked in Christ is available to us. So this is our destiny to be with him at this place. <clears throat> so let's move on to chapter 2. <clears throat> and chapter 2 now is more about how we fit in. <clears throat> Raised us up together and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now here is a, a place where if we don't understand the two creations, it's going to feel a bit weird. Like, I'm, I'm seated here in this, in this room here. What do you mean I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places? How can that be? The answer is that the, the physical you, the old creation you, is sitting in a chair here. The new creation you is seated with Christ. Both of them are you. In this time of overlap, you are both of those. You're living out of both of those. Your physical body needs feeding. It needs, needs some looking after. But you, you're, the true you, the one that's going to continue, is the one that's with Christ. And having our eyes open to this will allow us to put physical things in perspective in our lives that are happening. <clears throat> Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. For he himself is our peace, making the two one and breaking down the dividing wall of partition, the hostility in his flesh cancelling the law of commandments and regulations that the two he might create in himself into one new human. That's 
Jew and Gentile, coming together into one, making peace. And then he describes <clears throat> the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the cornerstone being Christ Jesus himself. In him, the whole structure being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for the dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now, this temple is not a physical temple on this earth. It's the dwelling place of God in the new creation. And it's not a physical building, it's a community. And so your destiny then is to be the dwelling place of God in this new creation. And this is what God is up to. This is what he's doing. Uh, then we have another prayer in chapter 3. There are lots of prayers throughout Ephesians. Uh, chapter 3, uh, that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who has power to do all things far or more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So two phrases here, filled with all the fullness of God, that's a new creation expression. And... Um, this other one, the power at work within us, is this new creation power that's within us. And so he wants us to understand the reality of what we are, who we are in this new creation. Moving on to chapter 4, and here's a like, really explicit one now. Chapter 4.22, take off the old self, in other words, you know, your old way of behaving. In fact, you could say, take off the bag off your head. Belonging to your former behavior, corrupted by deceptive desires, to be renewed by the spirit in your mind, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in righteousness and truthful, pure behavior. So in other words, what does this mean? Well, he's not saying, um, get rid of the old body, you know, just put it to death physically. What he's saying is live out of your new self. By putting on the new self, he means, he means may that be what defines who you are, your new creation character. Take off the blinders, take off the bag, and see the reality of who you are. Chapter 5. And this is the verse I read earlier. Once you were darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. Watch carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And then there's a, another reference. Uh, when he's talking about men and women, he concludes that with a new creation reference. In fact, all of the... the, uh, the behaviors he's telling people to do like for example the the masters and, and and slaves he says slaves you're not working for your master you're working actually for your heavenly master and he's going to give you a reward in the new creation the same with with masters you have one in heaven who is your master and he's the one you're working for um, and husband and wife it's the same pattern here he's he talks about how husband and wife are mirroring something that's happening in the future and uh, he, he ends this up by saying a quote from Genesis, from the old creation, a man must leave his father and his wife, uh, his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, that you should become one flesh. That's old creation. 
What's new creation? <clears throat> this mystery is profound, and I speak with reference to Christ and the church. So <clears throat> the old creation picture is marriage. The new creation reality is Christ connected in this deep bond of love forever to his people. <clears throat> so then um, chapter 6 for our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the world powers over this darkness, against the evil spiritual beings in the heavenly places. Because of this, take up the complete armor of God that you may have power to withstand on the evil day. In other words, in the old creation and having prepared in every way to stand. In other words, the armor of God is new creation armor. Put on the new creation armor and you will be able to stand against the stuff that is still happening because the old hasn't gone yet, hasn't been destroyed yet. So <clears throat> let me uh, say a few words about how, what this means to me personally and then we're going to read the last four verses at the bottom of your sheet there. So for me... Understanding this and reflecting on this is such an encouragement because things can get me down in this life. You know, you only have to read the news and things can really get you down. Things are like getting bad in this world. Um, just on, on the way here, um, Peter was saying to me, you know, there's all these wars. You know, we hear about all these wars and there seem to be so many. And there are. And diseases aren't getting any less. And human corruption doesn't seem to be Dying away, it seems to be getting worse. And what about me personally? Well, I'm not getting any younger. You know, I've, I've got you know, more health problems than I had when I was in my teens. Um, I, physically, I could get worried about that. There are so many things. We can, we can look around us. We can see the environment falling apart. So many negative things. We, could get, we can see you know, governments behaving in ways that we don't like. We can see these things. And I have to, if I say to myself, yeah, Andrew, but you know, this is going to be gone soon. Like, this is so transitory. Like, let's think about what's permanent. Let's just put some attention on that. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, this is just a, this is just a blink and it will be gone. All of this stuff we see around, it will be gone in a flash. You know, I remember at the end of 2023 thinking, you know, one day I'll say, it's gone. The year's gone and we're in 2024. What would that be like? It's gone already. We're in 2024. And you know, it's going to be another year and another, and then it's going to be new creation. So this for me is a huge relief from getting upset about the stuff around me. And it doesn't just stop me getting upset. It turns to a right perspective. Because I don't want to be like the stylites that climb up on a tower and say, I'm staying up here until the new creation comes. No, I want to be somebody who says, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for a while. I'm serving God while I'm here because he's what he wants me to do. But this isn't my, this isn't my destiny. My, my citizenship is not here. My citizenship is in the age to come. And so I find personally, I need to remind myself about this every time I get angry or annoyed about something I see around me. I have to come back to this, and it is such a corrective uh, idea. It is such uh, an inspiring idea. Uh, the other thing is, what about making decisions, making choices? This concept helps me make choices. It helps me see what is valuable, what is really 
really got value. Oh, so this is where I should invest some time. This is where I should invest some resources. This is what counts. And so in terms of, of, um, of helping us live as we ought to now, this is the best thought that we can have, the best concept that we can have. And I find it really effective for me. And my prayer is it will be effective for you in your life. Well, we've come to the end of Ephesians and we've got four verses and we're going to just read those now and I'm going to say something about those, which is going to be relevant to the theme that I've been speaking on. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, everything will be told you by Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, whom I've sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. It's interesting that Paul always worked in teams. He's always with people, and this, I think, encourages us that we should do this. We should, um, being in Christ's work is not an individual endeavor. We work together. Uh, but what another thing interesting about this is that it's almost identical to the closing verses in Colossians. And what people think is that Paul, the Colossi and Ephesus are not that far apart, and Paul actually wrote a whole series of letters to the churches, and Tychicus actually took them all out at the same time. In fact, one of the letters, he says, passes on to other churches, that's Colossians, passes on to other churches when you've read it yourself. And so um, this is, gives us a little bit of historical background. He's got his dear friend who's going out and he's giving him several letters for several churches. And it explains why Colossians and Ephesians are so similar and so helpful to compare because they were probably carried by the same person. But uh, what I want to concentrate on here is the last two verses. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith. And that should read brothers and sisters, by the way. It's just in those days that would mean both sexes. Uh, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you, all who love our Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. And this is closing prayer, what we call a benediction, a good word that goes at the end. It's just a beautiful prayer. And it reminds us that Ephesians is filled with prayers like this. This just happens to be the last one. But what I want to, to end with is by saying, it's good to pray prayers over people. It's good to do it. And I'm going to pray a prayer over you in just a minute as we close this sermon. Because the last point from the whole series in Ephesians is Pray for one another, pray blessings over one another. And it's a beautiful prayer. Peace to you, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love the Lord Jesus. And this is a beautiful prayer that's there. And uh, I'm going to be praying one of the earlier prayers in Ephesians in just one moment over you. For that, I just want to say, if anybody's hearing this and you're not a follower of Jesus, then how do you become part of this new creation? Because if you're not part of the new creation, you have no future. 
past the end of this current creation. How how do you there's no there's there's uh, things are not good looking good for you. How do you become part of the new? And the answer is it's grace. It says here grace, and grace means it's free. There's no nothing you have to earn. You don't have to be good enough to enter into this new creation. All you have to do is to to come to Jesus and say, I. I can't do this. Please, would you give me your new life? And he gives it as a gift. And we receive this new life for him. We're born of the Spirit, um, born from above, and we become part of the new at that moment. And at that moment, our destiny is sealed for in, in, a, in a wonderful way. So... Uh, I'd like then to end this by praying over you all a prayer which we find earlier on in the the letter in chapter 1. And the prayer is, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Now what this really means is you'll, you'll grasp what this is. You'll understand what we're talking about. All of these truths will actually will, will actually become part of you. It's not just your intellect that gets the, the understands the, the 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 terms, but the eyes of your heart. In other words, you really take on this new way of living. <clears throat> so here we go, and I'm praying this over you now, and I'm praying, Lord, I pray that all the people here right now, and all the people who are following us on the internet or watching the video later, I pray, Lord, that all of us, the eyes of our heart, will be enlightened. I pray, Lord, that all of us will know. What is the hope of your calling? What are the riches of the glory of your grace, of your, your inheritance for us, the ones that you call your holy ones? And Lord, I pray that we will understand what is the immeasurable greatness of your power to us who believe. I pray that over all of you here. I pray that over everybody watching this. I pray that over myself, that the eyes of my heart and yours will be truly enlightened. According to the working of the might of your power, of your strength, Lord, which you worked in Christ, raising him from the dead and seating him at your right hand in the heavenly places, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion, and every position that exists, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Lord, thank you that Jesus has been raised and that I am with him. Help me to understand this. and Bless you, all of you, through this coming year, that you will live out with your eyes enlightened to this wonderful truth. And I just want to say one thing as we pull this together. It is only through being joined to Jesus that we can live this life. It's not an independent thing. It's by being united with him, by being dependent on him. So don't say, oh, I've got to do this. Andrew says, I've got to live this life. I've got to work hard to do this. No, say, Jesus, I can't do this myself. I need your strength. With your strength, I can live in the new creation. The new creation is being joined to Jesus. So I have a summary slide here to, to close us off with. <clears throat> I ask God to enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you see the love and security he has called you into. Lord, I pray that you will enlighten the eyes of, of everyone here's heart so they'll see this love and security.
the incredible richness of their future and the power available to them. And I ask God to help you walk in the truth of your true status. Your beloved, in, in higher than the highest, don't tell yourself lies or allow others to tell, tell you them. I ask God to help you focus on what he wants you to do and you have nothing to fear. So that's my prayer for you now. Let's just, <clears throat> let's just come to the throne of grace. Lord, we thank you for this letter to Ephesians. We pray, Lord, that this might not just be something we once covered in church, but it may be something that each of us takes into our hearts. And you enlighten our hearts to, lit, to understand the love and security we have in you, the riches of our power, of your power available to us. We'll walk in this truth. Um, we won't allow Satan to put lies into our minds, but we walk in your truth and that we will focus without fear on living this life. Lord, we, we pray this, we ask this. I ask this for everyone who is here, everyone who's listening, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, and God bless you.